Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Good morning. My name is Meg Sanchez. He took my intro. (laughs) No, it's okay. Um, Yes, I'm in seminary currently at Lincoln Christian Seminary locally. Um, And so if you don't know, we've been coming to Compass for about a year and a half. We really enjoyed it. Uh, And... uh, Honestly, I started following Pastor Chris uh, online a few months before COVID hit. I, I was kind of impressed with his social media posts and uh, my family jokes that I stalk people on Facebook or uh, social media. But um, I really enjoyed, <laughs> I really enjoyed his stories. They were uh, Christian, but not tr- but tradition, not traditional, or and nor mainstream. Um, we were going through a really hard time at that at that point in our life, and it was pre-COVID, and um, and then COVID hit, right? And so I was. Um, it was hard because we were in a church at the time and we're a Mexican-American family and uh, we were going through uh, um, some hard times there. So uh, I'm going to share about that. So we had previously done ministry for a long, long time there as well. We had came from a mega church, a local mega church, and um, we had done live services, interpreted everything. Um, we're ministry partners. We were serving in leadership across the board. So um, we had been attending that church for about 15 years, and I just, I was burned. And um, I told Chris, I said, this is something that I have to live out daily, forgiveness, um, on a lot of levels. And I just wanted to share my heart with you guys today. So after many years of sweat and tears, my heart was just broken there at that church. Um, So many things happened that left me burned. Uh, The last straw was when my daughters, both of them, had experienced racism in their youth groups, and their leaders permitted it and even encouraged it. And I was in seminary at the time, and I was just broken, absolutely broken. Um, This was during a, a politically charged time um, in our country uh, regarding race and politics and everything had just come out of the um, just the just the seams that you had never seen before and it was the last straw for me I felt deeply burned and truthfully I was just ready to give up on church altogether Uh, I was ready to walk away and I just felt the Holy Spirit kind of nudge me at that time I started my own deconstruction process uh, and I never looked back honestly Uh, Thankfully, I'm still here standing, reconstructing my faith, but now I know many of my seminary friends and others in church leadership and pastors, too, that have walked away altogether. Being burned by the church is really tough. Thus, to recap what Chris had had said over this series and to give some more practical steps to what he said, which he's great at giving wonderful scripture, but to make it more practical... I just wanted to share my heart with you guys this week. I think we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until it's our turn to forgive someone or or an institution or a school or a church. Then it just feels tougher. But forgiveness is not something that we can take lightly. And I said, why? Because no matter how great the offense or abuse we're facing, the path to healing does require forgiveness. And for, in fact, forgiveness is God's prescription for the broken. Facing our past and forgiving ourselves and those who have hurt us is the, truly the only lasting solution. We all know that one of the roots of unforgiveness can be buried pain. Forgiveness heals that pain and breaks the cycle. 
It doesn't settle all the questions of blame or justice or forgiveness, but it can, can allow us to heal if we truly allow it. In order to be completely free from our resentments, anger, shame, and guilt, we need to give and accept forgiveness in, these are- in all areas, honestly, of our lives. If we don't, we can just get stuck in our walk with God, just truly stuck. Thus, I want to kind of share three kinds of forgiveness with you today. So the first one is the three kinds of forgiveness. The first one is, have you accepted God's forgiveness? This is truly, truly a big deal. No matter what our issue is, we have all been wounded or betrayed or wronged. However, we are also painfully aware of how we have wounded and and betrayed or wronged other people. There is a burden of shame and guilt that comes with knowing that we have hurt other people. We've all done and said things and thought things that we should not have said. The creator of the universe knows what we've done, too. And you know what? He loves us anyway, and he's ready to forgive us. In Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore no, now, there are now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and also in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This one was the easiest for me, honestly. I've accepted Jesus Christ pretty quickly once it was offered to me. I grew up in a non-traditional family. Um, I grew up in a universal Unitarian church that did not offer Jesus Christ as my my personal savior to me. So uh, this one was more easy for me than the others. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we trust him with our lives, when we confess our sins to him, we are forgiven. Do you know someone that hasn't accepted God's forgiveness? Can you think of anybody at your work or at your school, in your neighborhood, or maybe even in in your own personal family? I know I do. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. For our own self, though... Have you put your faith in Jesus, trusting him with your life, thus accepting God's forgiveness? That's the first. Now, number two is, have you forgiven others who have hurt you? For me, this was probably the hardest. Uh, Growing up in our family, we struggle with anger and resentment um, quite a lot on both sides. And so first, we need to be willing to let go of the pain of the past, of harm and abuse caused by others. Allow me to share some profound thoughts about forgiveness from one of my favorite thinkers, C.S. Lewis. He states, you must make every effort to kill every taste of resentment in your own heart, every wish to humiliate or hurt or to pay out the person who hurt you. The difference between this situation and the one in which you are asking God's forgiveness is this. Now listen to this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. So it says to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven that in us as well. This is hard. It is perhaps not so hard to forgive a single great inquiry, but to forgive the incessant provocations of daily life, to keep on giving the bossy mother-in-law or the bully husband, the nagging wife, the selfish daughter, the deceitful son. How can we do it? Only when we say in our prayers each night, forgive our, our trespasses, like 
Chris said, as we forgive those that trespass against us. We are offered forgiveness no other, on no other terms. To refuse it is to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. That's from C.S. Lewis's book, The Weight of Glory. For these reasons, on your list of others to forgive, you might also have forgotten about someone you need to forgive. And this one's also a good one for me as well, despite being a seminarian. Yes, we are asked to forgive God. God cannot and does not sin. His very nature is marked by perfect holiness in every attribute and action. God is perfect in love, mercy, and grace. But remember that he loved us so much that he gave us a free will. Yeah, free will. He didn't want us to be his puppets. He, didn't, he wanted us to love him as our choice. You need to understand and believe that the harm others did to you came from their free will. It was their choice, not God's. It was not God's will. Once you understand free will, you will understand that your anger toward God has been misplaced as well. Furthermore, it is important to note that forgiveness of others begins with a humble posture before God, which just means we make sure that we're humble and receive to whatever God is asking of us. We must fully grasp, just to kind of recap, the context around, surrounding some of these verses that we're looking at in Matthew 18, uh, primarily, which I thought was interesting, the scriptures, this topic started with the disciples stating, who are we, who are the greatest among them, right? This is the context. Jesus is trying to teach the disciples about how to build good, healthy relationships because ironically, they did bring the topic up. And then there's also conversation there in that following scripture about God calls us to forgive and also to have the faith of a child. I don't think it's by accident. Any of those are there. And then thirdly, I just wanted to, or following that, I just also wanted to state there, one of my scriptures, favorite scriptures is Matthew 18, 15 through 17. This is about personal conflict, one-on-one, -on -one, and my girls will laugh at me because we practice this vividly in, or regularly in our house. It says, if you brothers or sisters sins against if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, they, you have won them over. But if, you, if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. So for me, scripturally, I used to, um, to back up, I have a little anecdote of, I used to work in ministry um, specifically with single moms about 10 years ago. And it was kind of a tough assignment because I was new in leadership um, at that time. And I was working with single moms that were kind of rough around the edges a little bit. They're diamonds in the rough, let's say. It was a large growing ministry, and even many of the moms knew each other. Some of them, we realized, had some of the same familial relationships through their kids. And it was tough to teach and lead when so many conflicts arose. But we use that scripture regularly in ministry there. 
And the reason we did that was because it was the ability to say, if you have a conflict with somebody, it's not just church discipline. If you have a conflict with someone, go to them and we'll try to work it out one-on-one. If you don't, if you aren't able to, bring somebody along beside you. If I have a conflict with my daughter, for example, and I can't work it out one-on-one with her, I'll bring it in another, my other daughter or my husband or someone else to act as a witness in that conflict, in that situation. I highly recommend you implement that scripture. It's so helpful and, and beneficial. And then if, it's not just church discipline is what I'm referring to. So if you can't, if you can't you work it out one-on-one or with the witness, then you can bring it before the family or the organization next. And so it's very powerful. We use that also, like I said, regularly with our single moms. I try to use it anytime I can, and it's applicable as well. Um, and so for the single moms, it was just, it was very powerful because we... However, it was also always one of my favorite memories because I could see now how much they've grown and how much they've uh, been able to, sorry, let me get my thought here, as, as now I see the fruit of that so many of those women today through their continued personal community and professional contact. So thus, I see the fruit of, in their lives from just this scripture and others and working in ministry with them. So for all those reasons, I want you to just pause and think over your relationships right now. God wants us to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us and work through any harm that we've done to others, except when doing so could harm ourselves further or themselves. Happy are the merciful, it says in Matthew 5, 6. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Thus, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and therefore Remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. We all know this kind of forgiveness just doesn't happen in a flash. It's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. But it does take daily commitment to do so. It's progress and not perfection. On a side note... If you've been the victim of sexual abuse, physical abuse, or childhood emotional abuse, then I do hurt with you. I'm all too aware of the deep and long-term damage that abuse can cause. If that's you, then you, I don't want you going and calling your abuser today. Uh, then you just need to know that forgiveness is also a way out, but just between you and God. You will not find freedom from your perpetrators until you are able to forgive them. That said, forgiving them in no way excuses them for the harm they've caused you. What forgiveness does is release you from the power they have have had over you. So I just wanted to give another cool example, um, which is really interesting. Corrie ten Boom, um, if you can bring up that picture, she was a Dutch woman, a Christian, who, along with her father and other family members, helped hundreds of Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. They built a hidden room in their house in Amsterdam where Jews could hide. So you can see in the bottom left corner, that's where they would begin their entrance into the secret room. This was Corey's bedroom on the top floor of the house. They created this hidden room by building this false wall, which obviously didn't have that big hole in it at the time. That's for us today. 
Um, but to enter the secret room, the Jews had to crawl on their hands and knees under the bottom shelf of the linen closet. Then Corey could close a sliding panel, put the panel back on the shelf, and then pray. The hidden room was only 30 inches deep. But as many as six people at a time would hide there while the Nazi soldiers raided the Ten Boom house, which was quite often in that time. Corey was eventually imprisoned for her actions, and her sisters were killed in a death camp. Corey has shared that she has not forgotten any wrong, unfortunately, that has been done to her by a Nazi sympathizer. She had forgive, has forgiven the person, but she kept rehashing the incident to the point where she could not sleep. Finally, she cried out to God for help in putting the, this problem to rest. And here's what she shared with us. His help came in the... Uh, God's help came in the form of a kindly Lutheran pastor to whom I confessed my failure after two sleepless weeks. He pointed out the window and said, up in the church tower, up there, is a bell, which is rung by pulling on a rope. But you know what? After you let go of the rope, the bell keeps swinging. First ding, then dong, slower and slower until there's a final soft ding and it stops. The pastor continued, I believe the same thing is true of forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hand off the rope. But if we keep tugging, if we've been tugging at our grievances for a while, we mustn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while as well. They're just the dinging of the old bell slowing down. Corey then adds, and so it proved to be true. There were a few midnight reverberations, a couple of dings when the subject came up in my conversations, but the force, which was my willingness in the matter, had gone out of them. They came less and less often and at the last stopped altogether. We can trust God not only about our emotions, but also above our thoughts, she said. The third one, the third kind of forgiveness I'm going to share with you today is, have you forgiven yourself? We can accept God's forgiveness and forgive others, but we often feel the guilt and shame of our past is just too much to forgive. This is hard for me as well. There's a powerful verse in Isaiah that describes what God wants to do with your past and also mine. Come, let us talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make it at you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. If you will only let me help you. That's a very important piece. Isaiah 1, 18 through 19. No matter how unloved or worthless we may feel. Let me repeat that. No matter how unloved or worthless we may feel, God loves us. Our feelings about ourselves don't change the truth, the truth of his love for you and for me. Think about it this way. If God himself can forgive us, on what basis are we justified in not forgiving ourselves? Don't get, get me wrong. Self-forgiveness is not a matter of assigning the blame to someone else. It's also not downplaying our own guilt or a license of irresponsibility. 
Self-forgiveness means accepting responsibility for our actions without making excuses or beating ourselves up. It's an acknowledgement that we are human and flawed, and we, yet we are loved by God. It's seeing ourselves the way God sees us. It's critical to finding healing because it breaks the endless cycle of self-blame and allows us to make the changes needed for a sustainable, truly healthy walk with God and others. So in summary, there's a fog of guilt and shame that clouds and distorts our thinking when we allow resentment, anger, and unforgiveness to settle in our hearts. As we take the necessary steps of forgiveness, then that fog starts lifting. We start to see situations and relationships and ourselves more clearly. By learning to forgive and accept forgiveness, we obviously don't change that past. We can't ever change the past, but we sure can change our future, your future and mine. So finally, forgiveness and reconciliation in the church can can also be very difficult. Like I said at the beginning, I'm still working through that with the local church. God reminded me of that this week. However, uh, we do see instances of it in the Bible, the early church throughout the book of Acts. For example, in Acts 15, Paul, Barnabas, and the church council debated over several topics and reconciled via the Holy Spirit of God, like we sing about today, with Peter's help. Also, it's commonly known that John, Mark, and Paul were later reconciled in Acts 15 and 2 Timothy 4.11. I'm sorry. How beautiful was it that Jesus had laid this foundation with his disciples before all of that, before the early church started? It is important Christians take necessary steps to promote reconciliation and peace rather than strife and tension. God is a God of reconciliation and restoration, not one of division. He desires for the members of his body to be in unity with one another. But as humans sometimes do, a person may make an inappropriate comment or commit an action um, that may cause another Christian to become offended. So when when church issues or any issue arises, may we agree that we should follow these tenets of forgiveness and have peace. So with ending, one of my favorite verses, Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. So may we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what Jesus taught. Will you pray with me? God, I just come before your throne. Thank you for this word. Thank you for walking with us. I ask that you fill us with your peace and strength as we continue to forgive those around us, forgive ourselves, and and to receive your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to pay that price for us so that my sins and others can be forgiven. During this time and in this week, help us to be humble and completely honest with this, with ourselves and another person about our wrongs. Help me, Father, have a posture of humility and grace with others um, and ourselves while correcting any issues that we have by speaking truth and love. May we continue to come to your throne for grace and forgiveness in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.